Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. I wanted to start, Ben. We had a, a you know, that episode we did on abduction, screen memories, or nightmares. Yes, we seem to have sparked either a lot of nightmares for people or had them re reliving past dreams. So we had a note on Facebook from Tony Lovell. Uh, after listening to the episode, he says this. In the late 60s, I had a dream. I was chased and caught by dolls and taken to a skeleton in my grandmother's house. So this was prompted Ooh. because of the skeleton thing in the other one, which had been cleared of all furniture, a bit like the dream that we talked about, and put on a table, he was put on a table to be operated on. Only recently did I realise how abduction-y it was. I don't think it was a UFO thing, but the parallels feel quite interesting. That is um, that is a disturbing dream. That's quite similar to what um, you were relating from her book as well. Well, yeah, exactly, because there was the skeleton monster, as she described it, and she talked about being in an empty room and then having to solve some puzzles... Uh, and yeah, there's all the bit about the operator. I, I thought it was really interesting. I'm fascinated by dreams like that. You know what I mean? It's it's so weird, isn't it? What your imagination? Yeah, he's he's not saying that it's got anything to do with abduction, but it's amazing what your imagination can do, especially when you're a child. I guess. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you remember I said about my own encounter. Yeah. Well, I say encounter dream, owls and and whatnot. Although I did have a dream last night. No, night before last. Oh yeah, I dreamt I was presenting a dating show on BBC One with Alan Sugar. It was <laughs> no, I'm not genuinely. Saying, I'm not saying you, but the whole thing sounds like terrible casting. Well, it was bad because <laughs> we were about to go on air, and I had no idea what we were going to say. And Sir Alan said, "Don't worry, I'm Alan Sugar. I'll cover it." <laughs> and I, <laughs> the dream ended. Wow. I do remember though. He insisted we both wore the same coloured, um, like suit jacket. You should pitch it. <laughs> you might get it commissioned. You never know. Well, yeah, me and Sir Alan dating. I mean, it's a pretty loose format because that's all I got. Mind you, it must have been a good pitch because we were primetime BBC One. Oh, you know what you could call it? Sugar Daddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sugar Daddy. <laughs> I think you might have actually invented the format. It's older men. Da- oh, that's gross, isn't it? No, older men dating. Oh, no, no, actually, maybe I won't pitch No, that. I'm backing off. I'm backing off Sugar Daddy now. No, it's not happening. Maybe, maybe with that title, Alan Sugar goes around adopting babies. <laughs> and- All right, let's leave it. Let's leave it. Cut, okay, okay. cut, cut. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get stuck in. <laughs> you know what? I was just reading that message from Tony off my phone, and as soon as we started talking about sugar, it's just it's just come up with the message. Did you encounter a problem? Please please tap the button below to make a report. Report the problem. <laughs> yeah, Ben's terrible dreams. <laughs> yeah. What I'm going to cover this week, I have had an experience of this. 1992. I was learning to drive, and the person I was learning to drive with uh, was a friend of mine, because you could do those courses where you passed in a week. Do you remember those? Yeah, I remember the high-intensity ones. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I did one of those, and I was all set to pass, and I was just coming to the final bit 
of you know when you come, you drive back into the test center and mm. I could tell by the way the guy looked that I'd done it I'd nailed it and then somebody just pulled out of a side on a bike nearly hit the side of the car so I failed for not anticipating the actions of a cyclist that's rubbish you're not psychic no exactly uh, well there's there's no cyclist involved here and I know you did pass in the end I did but, no so this guy and I, we started, like, we became reasonably good friends. And we used to drive around sometimes, you do, you know, in the 90s, you didn't have mobile phones or anything. We'd sometimes go around in convoy after we passed, him first, me afterwards. Right. I noticed a weird phenomena. When we went around this particular mini roundabout in the sort of the back ends of Oxfordshire, the streetlights would go off on the roundabout. Okay. And it, we told people at school and... Everyone was trying it, and there were certain myths, like if you drive around it anti-clockwise or clockwise, depending, it will go. they'll go off or they'll turn on. But it never worked, except for when this guy did it. And he could repeat it. So, so sorry, let me, let me back up. Let me get this right. So there's this roundabout. It's not famous for lights going off. No, no, it's a little mini roundabout in very rural Oxfordshire. Okay. When, so I'm assuming when you went round it on your own... Lights were fine, nothing happened. Absolutely. When other people went round it, nothing when this happened. Wo- oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. When other people, nothing. But when this one guy went round it, and you saw this because you were following him, the lights would go out every time. Not every time. But pretty but often. Probably one in five times. Once a week, maybe. Wow. And we just thought nothing, nothing of it. And it wasn't until years later I came across the phenomena of the slider, the streetlight interferer, S-L-I-Ders. Sliders. Sliders, yes. So the first thing I found, because I became really interested in this when I spotted there was a book about it, I just thought, wow, I've got to look into this. But I started looking around for articles. And I found uh, an article that pointed me to some experiences on Reddit. And this is very typical. I have, since I was a child, seen about 15 streetlights go, go out, usually in my peripheral vision. How I know it went out is the bulb still has some light in the coil, not just the coil shining light anymore. And shortly after that, it fades out as well. So it's quite a complicated and weird way of saying it. I think what they're saying is, it's not that the light has turned itself off. Yeah. It's kind of almost diminished in power. And that's something that seems to be common to at least some of these stories. It's a very um, horror movie-esque theme isn't it it is well I'm, I'm picturing or hearing that kind of zzz noise as it kind of goes out yeah yeah you know, yeah flickers well this guy says i can't make it happen but when i ask others how many street lights they've seen go out they say one or probably none he says it's a fairly common occurrence for him and he says his wife doesn't want to talk about it wow. which i can which i can understand so this occasionally could happen due to a faulty street light But sliders claim that this happens to them, as I said, on a regular basis. It doesn't happen every time, and it doesn't happen with every streetlight. But it occurs often enough to make these people suspect that something pretty unusual is going on. And these people, they also have an effect on things like lamps, TVs, um, internal devices. TVs, radios and CD players can be manipulated to, say, change track or... Um, change channel right. watches will stop working some people say they can't even wear a watch and children's electronic toys start up 
So that's something that I found as well. A lot of accounts of people saying, yeah, it freaks my wife out because if I go to the toilet in the night, sometimes the toys in the nursery start up. That also is a horror movie meme, isn't it? Yeah, it's making me think. I could be, I could be wrong about this, but I'm sure I read... Apologies, Ruth, if I've got this wrong, but I, I'm sure I read a Ruth Roper Wild post where she was talking about not being able to wear a watch, especially oh, as yeah, a child, that's true. because it would stop. I'm pretty sure she did say that, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's not you, Ruth, I'm sorry, and uh, the person who it happened to, uh, I'm also sorry that I got it wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Ruth that, yeah, she couldn't wear a watch because it would stop. It's amazing that, isn't it? It's a very strange thing and, and and i think we're sort of used to it like some of those programs in the 80s there'd be people who could put magnetic you know they claim to be magnetic and put a spoon on their chest remember right, those right, yeah, yeah yeah but this goes into much more detail and then i discovered this book as i say which i've become fascinated with um hillary evans book sliders and he sort of goes through or she goes through every little sort of nuance on it and i'm not going to take you through that because it's kind of um it's almost akin to an academic work, this book. It doesn't sort of take you on an arc. Yeah. It's more a collection of anecdotes and some sort of application of logic to see what might be going on. But there are some key elements to it which I found absolutely intriguing. So, for example, how frequently do sliders do it? According to his work, he says this varies enormously. There are some who do it intermittently throughout their lives so that it becomes sort of commonplace. And for others, it's rare and only around notable events. He tries to, later in the book, and we'll go into this, try and categorise when when it happens to someone rarely, are there any circumstances that sort of define that rare moment that it happens? Like a kind of trigger in a way. Yeah, exactly. And just so I'm clear, sliders are the people who can do it, is that? They are the people who can do it, right. yes. That's what you would call a streetlight interferer, a oh, slider. And is the phenomena called... Sliding. Sliding. Okay, cool. In his responses, because he did a survey about this and he also operates a database of people who record their experiences, once or twice a year, once or twice a day, every month or so, virtually every night, these are common experiences that people are putting forward. And a typical one that came up, because I've picked out some of the stories because I really like them, Whilst on holiday in Tenerife last year, I liked to stroll on the marina last thing every night. As I passed each streetlight, it went out. As I approached the next one, the previous one came on again. After three nights, it really spooked me. It happened every night for two weeks. It's not happened since. I mentioned it to my family. They only laughed and made a comment about faulty electrics in Spain. But that's a typical story that he's pulled out there where it only happens to this person while they've been on holiday. It's funny, it's like the opposite of those office buildings that you walk down and the lights come on as through sensors as you're walking down. That sounds like the opposite. Go near it, it goes out. You pass it, it comes back on again. Wow. Now, you and I used to work in a very old building owned by ITV. Do you, yeah. know, you know the one I mean? Yeah. And rumour had it, it was built on the site of a prison, yeah. Cold Bath Prison. And it, it actually was because it's behind the big post office building. And I used to have to stay quite late at night because I was looking after some live shows. And people, when I started, said, all oh, this building's haunted. And I, I got quite excited. And one night, it was just me on my own. It was about two in the morning. And I was sort of putting away some things I'd been doing. And right over at the other side of the room, they're huge rooms. Like, they're sort of like sort of sports hall type rooms. The lights came on, pop, 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 in a row. 
And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm witnessing something paranormal here. And I took it home and I was very excited. And then I mentioned it to somebody the next day and they went, yeah, we got mice. Oh, so it's the mice setting off the lights. It was the mice setting off the uh, the motion alert, the motion lights. I was most disappointed. It wasn't the spirit of somebody who died at Cold Bar Prison, sadly. So another thing that you might say might affect this, it could be meteorological conditions, right? Because lights respond in different ways. Yeah. Somebody here says, I can't remember ever popping a light in the rain, but it hardly ever rains in Southern California. So how could I have done? Whereas a few sliders report correlations. So there's quite a few people from England. This is someone from Cheltenham, England. He says he does it when the weather was too damp and cold. And you could speculate that this is like maybe affecting his mood maybe to do this. Mm. And then um, another one from California, a different part of California, says it happens when it's cold and snowy. Another person from Nevada says it's when it's thundery weather. Another slider from Sweden says it's during cold periods. There are some people who really find that a particular weather condition affects whether they can do it or not. But, again, I I would speculate, Hillary hasn't actually, but I would speculate that it's probably down to mood that that is enforcing. I don't know why I started to think about the Coral Castle, which I think about quite a lot after you did that episode. That's the place, I think it was originally in Florida, wasn't it? And it moved. But it was built by one guy and he used, do you remember, it was claimed he used special magnetic techniques to make all these giant slabs of stones connect together because he didn't use any cement or anything like that. But it was some magnetic tool. I started thinking about is... Is it something like a magnetic field that somebody generates or like an aura or something like that that could be to do with it? It's funny you should say that because there is some speculation on the causes later and that is sort of a thing. But as you say that, it's quite difficult to... You say aura and then you sort of pull it apart and go, what does that mean? What is an aura? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's some indefinable piece of energy. Yeah. But that sort of goes into what I was going to say next because the other thing that um, varies between people is the distance. So some people, and this again is from the report, some people say it would usually be over 100 metres before there was an an effect and then another 100 metres and the light would come on again. On the other hand, there are some people who say they have to be between 5 and 10 metres away. Mm. And then some people say they don't come back on again, and some people say they do. So that person, 100 metres, get close, goes off, get further away, goes back on. The person that's quoting 5 metres, it just goes off and doesn't come back on again when they move away. 100 metres is a lot, though. It is. It's huge, yeah. That's a huge distance to, you know, if there is some natural process, let's say, rather than anything quote-unquote paranormal, there's some, you know, electrical field or something being generated to affect a light 100 metres away. I get it if it's 10 or 15, but 100 metres away, that seems a ridiculous amount for it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is quite interesting. This one, I had to include this one because it's from Aston Clinton, which is just up the road from us. Although that does sound like a brilliant name, doesn't it? If you lived in America, you probably think that's a guy called Aston Clinton. But they say... Um, you, they have to be 20 metres away and it never works if they walk under it. Huh. They have to walk around it. Isn't that fascinating? I love that idea of them going on and off as well. Yes, I do too. Maybe because in a way that feels less scary. If it goes off and stays off, it's almost like, you know, like Stephen King novel that you've got so much power, you've, you've 
destroyed the light where a little bit of mild interference seems less scary. Although if you're there, it's probably more scary, I would think. Yeah, I think so. So one of the things that you might expect when the lights go off is for them to maybe be causing damage if it was being shorted out. Mm. It turns out that damage is actually quite rare. There is a few cases where people do damage, like this one in Bournemouth. One time after having an argument with my parents, I did seven lights. Three of the light bulbs <laughs> smashed when they went out. And I've occasionally done lights on command and have damaged a couple of hundred lights in at least five years. But that's a really rare occurrence. Normally, it's just a simple off and then they come back on again. Yeah, I don't believe it. They had a hissy fit, broke some, broke some bulbs, <laughs> <laughs> and made up this huge slider-esque paranormal story to get out of it. <laughs> well, yeah. Teenage tantrum, that's what it was. Well, it's like, yeah, maybe you were throwing light uh, uh, stones at the lights. But there was another person that said, they described the fact that they were feeling very, very sad, and they were sitting on the sofa. In fact, in this case, they were breastfeeding their baby. And an angle poised light exploded that showered them both with glass. Ooh, that's dangerous. It is dangerous. And you could take that as, like, perhaps that's an exception to the rule. Perhaps that was just a faulty light bulb. I think I'd need more yeah. instances from that individual. You need a pattern, don't you? You need, you need a pattern, yeah, yes. Or, or so regularly, regular occurrences of this from an individual, or at least that kind of phenomenon that you talked about before where... They're in Tenerife and they're walking down the beach and the lights are going out one by one. That, you know what I mean? One light bulb blowing, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had those halogen yeah. lights that you get now. They seem to be particularly fragile. And I've had some of those literally fall out of the ceiling, not because there was anything paranormal, yeah. just because when they burn out, I don't know what happens. They tend to go fragile. And I've got some in my ceiling lights. There's a very interesting thing, though, which correlates with that, which is the kind of people that do sliding. Now, he makes this big deal that the people that have responded are all sorts, TV producers to doctors. It's really the gamut, and right. it's worldwide. But this was a very interesting account because it turns out that sliders, they can almost detect each other's presence or abilities. Really? Yeah, so this um, woman, she's from Valencia in California, and she said, I thought it was strange that a man from whom I was purchasing vitamins from asked me out of the blue what I thought of an experience he was having. He said that he would walk along or drive along and streetlights went out one after the other. What did he think? It, what did I think it meant? And so he engaged her in a conversation about sliding, even though he was just serving her in a shop, right. but recognised that she could do it too. So it's almost like when you go to that Unless aura, he does it to anyone who comes in that shop. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jeff and he's sliding. All the customers, we're never, we're never going to get anybody back. It's a big, good pickup line, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? It's no, a it weird pickup line. Yeah. He sort of speculates, does it take one to know one? And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We don't really, we don't really get an answer except that you know there's this perhaps community of people who come together after they realise they can do it. That's the bit that's interesting me at the moment. This idea of this community of sliders. So they believe it's an ability, do they, or do they just yeah an ability rather than an affliction? Let's say. Well, some people think of it as an affliction. Some right. people don't even register it and some people see it as like an expression of themselves but some people think of it as something that is particularly 
weird and perhaps intersperses or intersects with other peculiar phenomena that they have. I guess it makes people feel special as well to be part of yeah. this exclusive club that can do that. I'm just thinking about the psychology of that rather than the phenomena itself. Because I would imagine even within those groups of sliders, you've got some that are, say, quote-unquote genuine. There, there probably is a, a huge lot of them who have just had an exploding light bulb and have joined the slider community, do you know what I mean? Yes, totally, totally. Well, this story stood out as being one where people were looking at this as like an intersection of other powers, or at least other paranormal phenomena. It started with one particular light outside a local printer's and ended with me arriving home in tears and very distressed as three or four lights went out as I passed under them. At the time, I was suffering from quite a severe depressive illness brought around in part by the deaths of four close relatives and friends in a short space of time. After several times, the coincidence became noticeable and I mentioned it to my wife. It all seemed so pointless, but then she reminded me that the night my father had died, a nightlight in the house started to flicker on and off for no reason. I thought for a while and then replied that if he was going to choose any light, he'd obviously choose one above a printer's. He was a printer and most of my family are involved in print and graphics. And that light was outside a local printer's. Ah. And did you say there was four? There was four, four lights, yes. four lights and four... Re- yeah, yes. Okay, so so he, he's connection. seeing it as a sign, yes. Yeah. But it always comes back to the same question, though, doesn't it? Why? <laughs> Exactly. what, Like he said, Why? it all seems so pointless. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, this is another one. The experiences have happened to me for about the last 15 years. It's been witnessed by my wife and countless friends. I first noticed this in about 1980 when my best friend died, age 20, and it's happened ever since. I've noticed that when the streetlight goes out, it's like a warning that something is going to happen, like an advance warning. My father had died after a light had gone out and 10 months ago the last time I've experienced the street light going out my cousin died at 20 they're seeing it as almost like a a premonition so that sort of goes into like banshee I was going to say it's like a modern day banshee isn't it yeah and in fact Hillary does point out later in the book that there are some similarities with jots that jot because of this coincidence i'm sure everybody is familiar with this but the idea of just one of those things it usually involves disappearing and reappearing objects and it's so um matter of fact that you know it's just so sometimes it's a bottle of milk that disappears for an hour and then comes back it's just just one of those things and so this can be construed as just one of those things because it's like oh it's just one of those things that every time i walk past that light it goes out it can be just dismissed yeah. in that light way because there's nothing really coming from it. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But I think that connection with death and spirits is really interesting because it. when you started this, I, I was thinking, well, this is has to be predominantly a phenomena where like some kind of hidden power that we don't know about or it's tapping in to some energy in our body or part of our brain that can activate this stuff. But connecting it with premonition, with jots, with spirit activity, that takes it to a different level to me, doesn't it? For you, it's like, 
Okay, that's something completely different. That that's fully capital P paranormal, isn't it? I would say so. Yes, yes. Just before we get on to, because there is something which I want to follow up on on that, but it was interesting to know that whilst we sort of go through all the different things that might affect it, there was a report from, as you can imagine, a pharmacology student in Bristol yeah. who pointed out that it does happen to him, but only when he's drunk. So it but, happens when they come back from the pub, not when they go to the pub. Right. Which well, again, is interesting. Again, there is a little bit of a theme of... Maybe the connecting theme from some of these stories is a bit being out of control. Do you know what I mean? Either you're depressed, you're down, you're in a difficult state going through bereavement, you're drunk coming back from the pub. Now, I guess a sceptic would argue, well, you're more likely to hallucinate or, or you know, convince yourself of something that isn't there in those circumstances. But it seems to me a lot of the stories are based on you being at a difficult point or out of your comfort zone or out of your norm. That's right, yeah. But it might be, you see, that you're backwards engineering it. Once you start noticing it, yeah. you might backwards engineer it into something like that. Because there are, if you, once you notice it, it's hard not to notice it. That is one of the common themes right. from these stories. And it's when other people notice it in you, that's weird. And then they tr- start treating you weirdly. Like my friend at school, he never really acknowledged that he did it. We just knew that he did. Yes. But he, because he didn't want to sort of be the freak who could turn streetlights off. Well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying because it's almost like if you're driving down a motorway, I would imagine every couple of miles there might be a streetlight that's flickering or goes out, but you don't notice it because you're not thinking about it. But if you get to the point where you think, I'm a slider, you're either consciously or subconsciously looking out for it, aren't you? You are. You know what? I've just also realised that I keep saying slider. And I'm so, I haven't had dinner yet. We're recording quite late. I just keep thinking of delicious tiny burgers. <laughs> yes. I, re- <laughs> I really got to train my stomach not to think about delicious tiny burgers. There was a film called Slider as well, wasn't there? There was, yes. It yes. wasn't about this, though, was it? No, no. Wasn't it time travelly? It was time travelly, yeah. yes. Yeah. If we move away from streetlights for a minute, this story really caught my eye because. I I'm, I'm don't think this has happened to me, but I could see this happening to me in a way. I sort of almost recognise how this could happen. So this is a student from Stourbridge in England, and he says, One summer evening when I was 17, I took the family dog for a walk. It was still daylight. As I was walking back home up a very steep hill, a car parked by the side of the road, on his side of the road, flashed its headlights at me. As I approached, I peered into the car in case it was anyone I knew. <laughs> the car was empty. When I got home, I told my father, who was an expert on cars, and together we drove past the car. This is quite a lot of research, isn't it? We drove past the car to see if it would do it again, and it didn't, or to see if it was a trick of the light, but it didn't appear to be. So he put the experience at the back of his mind, like a jot. A week or two later, I was walking in a nearby street on my way to college via a canal when another car parked by the side of the road flashed its headlights at me. Once again, it was empty. And then again, about a year later, I was in my final year and had stayed late with friends to finish off some work. It was winter, so it was dark when we left. As we walked through the car park at the rear of the building, I jumped out of the way as a nearby car's white reversing lights came on. 
I turned to look at the car, intending to give the owner a dirty look. That's what we do in England best, isn't it? Give them a dirty, dirty look. Dirty look. For nearly crushing me. But no, it was completely empty. He had caused somehow the reversing lights to come on. So he then goes on to say that, that you know, that this experience has stuck with him and he's had other weird electrical things, but appears that cars, he has a real affinity That's with car lights. Thing. Which which then kind of blows a hole in the idea of you're looking out for it because if there's nobody in the car. First thing I thought, what a good dad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what a great dad. You come home and say, yeah, I walked past this car and its lights came on, but there was no one in it. I'm really freaked out. You go, yeah, right, okay, yeah, go on, go to bed, sleep it off. No, his dad got in the car and went back with him. That's amazing. It is amazing, but also at the same time, it's such an inconsequential thing. yeah. I think if my dad went, no, come on, we're getting in the car, we're going to have a look, I'd go, dad, just calm down, it's fine. (laughs) Like, nothing happened. No, we must go and look at this. Then I can see it go, right, 1958, Ford Capri, (laughs) there was a lighting problem with the headlights, (laughs) it was recalled seven times. (laughs) Yeah, that must have happened to your Alfa Romeo on a kind of daily basis. That Alfa Romeo was possessed. (laughs) They're all all possessed. That's a bit spookier, though, in a way. It is more spooky, isn't it? That's Stephen King lights. Yeah, because the reversing light also gives it a bit of credibility as well, weirdly, for me. Because I don't think I've ever seen... You can imagine an alarm system going off that might make a light flash or whatever, but I don't think I've seen any... Alarm system that would put on the reversing light. No, I don't think so either. No. And reversing lights do have, I don't know if this is true in every country, but they have, I don't know, quite a cerebral meaning here in that um, you're deeply locked into if there's a car with clear lights and it's the back of the car, it's coming towards you. Mm. So if you drive down a fast road and the car in front is faulty, and its reversing lights are on instead of the brake lights. Mm. I find that incredibly difficult because my brain keeps saying that car is reversing into me. So it's not something that you would easily miss, I don't think, or make up. Yeah. Similarly, when you're at traffic lights and somebody's going through their automatic gearbox and they have to go through the reverse lights. That's I always, right, yeah. I always think, they go, oh, God, they're gonna, they don't know I'm there. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely true, yeah. But, um, yeah, the takeaway there is... The the worst thing we do as British people is <laughs> yeah. just turn around and give someone a nasty look. Yeah. Not even nasty, a dirty look. I'm still impressed with Dad of the Year, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the book goes on to talk about people who affect different things in different ways, and there's this notion of the electric girl and the electric person, because it does appear to sort of co- coalesce the around women as a phenomenon. So this one talks about this woman who um, she realised, she said she was an electric person at the age of 21. I quite like this. I was ironing a silk dress and had the iron on low. My mother was arguing and baiting me, so I was holding my tongue. The face of the iron literally melted and silver liquid metal spilled down onto my dress. I know for certain repressed anger contributes to my ability to disrupt electrical equipment. So this person is also a slider as well as that. I've never seen an iron melt something and i really had to be skeptical yeah. i think that might be the non-stick coating i don't think it was the the actual metal because it metal itself yeah i think that would be almost impossible yeah. and and this this kid this is you talk about dad of the year this is from athens in greece when i was a teenager my father would expl- exclaim not explain 
don't touch the TV, tell me what channel you want and I will change it. <laughs> this was in the days before remote control and every time I got up to touch the TV, the picture became distorted and electrical interference. It didn't happen when anyone else with anyone else in the house. So basically him and his dad could do it. Could could do it, yeah. Yeah, I bet his dad had his little hand down the sofa, just pressing it. Look what I can do, son. Amazing. <laughs> well, so do you... You probably are old enough. Do you remember the very first remote controls that were sonic? They weren't infrared. Right. So they would make a clicking noise. Um, so if you... Like, people who were less than our age probably won't remember this. But if you had... You, they basically did volume up, volume down, and channel up, down... And it would make a different clicking noise and the telly would then respond accordingly. There were even radio control cars that did this, but it wasn't very hard to make that noise with toys or your hands. So, I, you know, it would just become that thing where you'd be, it was my grandparents had one, and you'd just be watching the telly with your grandparents and then suddenly you'd go bored and you just go... And it would move up to oh, ITV. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, they were very annoying. I remember lights that you could do that with, but wow. Yeah, no, they had, the, they had the TV you could do it with. And I, the t- I had a remote control car, as I say. That was a rubbish remote control car. Sonic <laughs> remote control cars don't work. Unless you're a slider. A reasonable explanation for the effect, if it is a real one, might have something to do with the electronic impulses of the brain. Yeah. All of our thoughts and movements are the result of electrical impulses and that the brain generates. We know this. At present, it is known that these measurable impulses only have an effect on an individual's body but is it possible they can have an effect outside the body, a kind of remote control? So, I mean, I think we sort of know this from the latest stuff coming out of um, Elon Musk's ventures, the sort of the brain control yeah, yeah. device. So though that is being wired into the brain, that's not using sort of brain power. But there have been devices where um, I believe Sony made one where you can think about something and it will happen. And I was reading about a guy who's invented a robot that pours beer and the idea with it is you control it with your thoughts, just right. remotely with your thoughts. And when you get too drunk, you won't be able to control it. So it controls <laughs> how much you drink. It's a very clever idea. If we, if we have one of those robots, it would go, must shut down, too warm, too warm, <laughs> overwork, must shut down. <laughs> oh, thank God there isn't one for my cholesterol count. But you might have come across this. I think we've covered the Princeton Engineering Anomalies research before. Oh, God, they're into everything. They are. But they suggested that the subconscious can indeed affect electrical devices. So let me just tell you about this experiment, because I think this tells you a lot about probably the most likely theory as to how this sliding is happening. So the one experiment they set out to determine, can human intention affect the behaviour of well-calibrated physical devices and instruments? That's a posh way of saying non malfunctioning devices basically so these included several devices that look like micro pk meters basically it's mental influences on a microscopic level engaging quantum level variations in physical systems yeah no (laughs) so an example of this is the pair chip experiment the experimental device was built around a widely used electrical component a shift register that is kind of the best way of describing it's like a digital circuit using a cascade of flip-flops. So it's sort of something that you might... If you were a child learning how to program a Raspberry Pi, it's like how you would set up a very basic computer programmer, but this is a mechanical version of it. So you can use these 
devices to, for example, do very basic electrical control on devices, if you see what I mean, right? But this one was supplied with a voltage lower than is normally specified and set and maintained precisely at that threshold where it might begin to make errors. The PSI task was to increase or decrease the error rate depending on what they were told to do. And the operator succeeded in generating a small effect in the direction of the intention. So it's possible to do it at this very small electrical scale. So what were they doing? Like concentrating? On they were concentrating. So they were told, make the voltage go too high okay. too many times. Yep. So it was beyond what you would expect for, um, I guess, a, a random effect on yeah, this device. Or, or other outside factors. But they also did it at the other other scale. So Pear created a large machine which was formerly called the Random Mechanical Cascade, the RMC. Nice. <laughs> the device had various nicknames, but it was generally called Murphy because it followed Murphy's law. If anything right. could go wrong, it will. Right. It's nearly 10 feet tall and 6 feet wide with a plexiglass front enclosing a matrix of 336 equally spaced nylon pins and a conveyor belt bought 9,000 three-quarter inch di- diameter polystyrene balls to the top, where it was dropped wow. from a central pun- funnel and down the pin matrix where they bounce left and right through the pins. It's kind of like a fancy tipping point machine, but with balls. Yeah, like a pachinko machine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is there pictures of this thing? Uh, yeah, if you Google them, there are, yeah. Well, we'll stick some of those on our Patreon um for you so you can go and have a look at it because I'm desperate to have a look at that. It's pretty cool. But the idea was that could you determine just using your thought whether more balls went left or more balls Mm. went right. And, of course, as you'd expect, not only was it statistically significant, it was actually very statistically significant. And it's also worth pointing out, I won't go through all the maths of it because it kind of blew my head, but it sounds like you might be influencing the movement of a ball, but actually it's a bit more subtle than that and it sort of does go to the micro level because you're only influencing the um, the scale of the bounce of that ball, if you see what I mean. Right. Is, is there some connection with the observer theory in that as well? There is a little bit, yeah. So do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, so observer theory, I, I mean, we won't go into the, the big experiments because we'll be here for half an hour, but it it's a quantum thing that... There've, there's certain experiments that have been done, and if you a human observes them, it gives a different result than if it's not being observed. I think some quantum computers are like that as That's well. That's right. They work perfectly fine if they're not being observed by a human, but if they're being observed, it gives a different result. But it reminded me of that, that in some ways you trying to observe or interact with the machine itself changes the outcome. Correct. On a exactly level that correct. we don't understand. That's, yeah, that's exactly the parallel. Yes, yes. So the idea is that if you can do this, and we don't understand why, you can do this, I can do this, one can do this, we don't understand why, it isn't too much of a leap to assume mm. that there's potentially this thing happening with streetlights. The pe- most peculiar thing about it, though, is why it would be streetlights above anything else and why it would happen to people who aren't trying to influence anything. And that's when we go back to moods, intention, Mm. that sort of thing. Perhaps it's a reflection on that. But I haven't come across anybody who sort of, I mean, very few people, I haven't, not, not nobody, 
But there are very few people who say, my car won't start when I'm in a bad mood. You can find people who will yeah. say that, but it isn't as many as sliders. I certainly didn't go to school with anybody like that, but I know after talking about this topic, I know I put a couple of calls out. I know three people have said to me that they can do this. Wow. And I don't know three people that can not turn on their car if yeah. they're in a bad mood. And when they say they can do it, I, because I, a lot of the stories don't sound like you have any control over it, but are there people who claim to be able to do it on demand? Yeah, there are people that say they can do it on demand. Wow. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great to feel, wouldn't it? It would, and it does. It, it turns out that some of them have been filmed and done under experimental conditions, but it's quite weird because a little bit like some other experiments where we've kind of looked at like laboratory conditions for psychics and whatever, it's not very clear whether being in a laboratory can actually, you know, elicit these things. So they've, there have been people who've kind of been followed around by a scientist and they've sort of nodded sagely. And there was an experiment where they tried to sort of model all the all, all the attributes of a streetlight. I don't know what they had to model them. I don't know why they didn't buy one, but they did. They modelled <laughs> right. one. And they went to all sorts of different lengths to try to determine, you know, which bit of the process. So there's a bit which I didn't cover, which is super geeky. But most sodium streetlights, the old-fashioned ones, they work a little bit like a fluorescent light bulb tube or a fish tank light where there is a, a gas in the middle, usually a metallic gas. And to get that to luminesce, you have to put a high current through it first. So that is the starter on your fluorescent tube. You're familiar with those starters. Yeah. And then once it gets going, you have to keep the current going and then suddenly you'll get an effect. Now, remember right at the beginning, I said that that comment about the guy saying he could see the coil glowing. Yep. So one of the things that was talked about was, is it possible that they're just disrupting either the chemical um, sort of, I guess, infrastructure of the gas, or are they affecting the input of the current, which would mean that the light suddenly sort of, it ran out of juice, like the starter motor on your fish tank light broke. Right, they're right. doing that. Because they were trying to work out, well, there wasn't a switch pushed, the filament isn't broken. Could it be that? But then that's why those experiments are sort of quite difficult because that uh, theory doesn't apply to people who can um, make their internal lights go on and off or make a television change channel. Yeah. So it feels like that was perhaps like perhaps not a great route to go down. Well, unless the the television ones, the light bulbs, all that in the house are is not a slider phenomenon. That's true. Yes, it could be two different phenomena. Because I was going to ask about different types of street lights. Interesting as the lighting technology develops, whether it's a phenomenon that will decrease or not. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's true. Although um, this book isn't super modern, it, it does seem to still be happening. And looking on all of the the Reddit forums it is still happening to people. So I think that idea of it affecting the sodium lights only, I think is a bit old fashioned. Yeah. Um, but I think it comes from a good place because it's like, why did they affect that? It's reminded me, I know it's got no connection, but I keep thinking about that thing you can do with your, um, your key for your car, where if you put it towards your head, it travels a further distance than if you 
do it by yourself. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently. I, I've seen it done a few times. Don't know how it works. Um, but it did make <laughs> me think of that. But uh, what I wanted to come back to was this idea that I still can't get my head around that if it's something that's emanating from, let's say, activity in your brain, that it's happening a hundred yards away. That's I still can't get my head around that. Yeah, well, I was going to come on to that because he says, well, there's this bit about force field theory. We can reasonably be sure that SLI is not a vague force floating about that people just happen to bump into. It's clearly directed at us, or some of us at least, Plentiful theorising has played with the ideas that electrical force field that surrounds the human body could play a crucial part in our interactions with the world. There's a German-born sociologist, Kurt Lewin, who died in 1947. He evolved this holistic field theory in which he supposed that each of us carry around with us, as it were, a field comprising motives, values, needs, moods, goals, anxieties. And it it's a great idea and a great theory, but um, it's such a, he calls it a delightful catch-all that can easily be used to account for SLI, but at the same time, it doesn't get us any closer to understanding what it is because it's so vague. Right. It Then you're like, yeah, okay, but what is it? How do you distill that? How can I capture that? How can I measure that? And you can't. Yeah, yeah. Holistic field theory is a great, it's a great notion for explaining the effect. It's kind of like black boxing the thing that's going on. Yeah. But you see other people... I always have to present the, oh, I hope it's not that. Could it be that it's all just coincidence? There's a physicist and astrophysicist, David Barlow, says it's unlikely that a light will turn itself off when you walk past it. So it's a shock when it happens. It could just be that a few times consecutively it occurs, then it appears that some mechanism is at work. So you're looking, right. it's a pareidolia effect. You're yeah. seeing patterns in something that doesn't exist. It's effect, then cause, rather than cause and effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing I was wondering when, uh, I was thinking something similar on the, those lines, because if you have a belief that you can influence a light a street light by let's say your thoughts in your brain or something coming from your brain it's easy to make the argument that you could create a hallucination for yourself from your brain do you know what i mean it, in some ways that's an easier solution yeah, yeah. than you are because it's coming from the same source you know what I mean? That you've created this illusion of it. Why it's always streetlights, I don't know. But Well, that does tie in. So uh, this um, other commentator who was quoted in the article that I was reading says, these people think it's just a gift they've got. It might not be a gift. It might be something they would like to have. Right. So it, it's possible. And I think that is quite dismissive of people who you know, will put hand on heart and say they can do it. I wouldn't say that. I'm not saying that, you know, that is exactly what it is, but I can see I can see how that happens. I know somebody in particular who thinks that they have psychic powers and they mustn't think ill of the car in front of them in a car wash 
because twice a car in front of them has had the panels ripped off in a car wash and they felt that they were giving ill thoughts because they'd either pushed in or they'd done something to them in the traffic queue. So this person felt really bad about it. And now every time they go into, it's so weird, isn't it? When they go into a car wash, they try and think lovely thoughts about the car in front so nothing bad will happen. So nothing will happen. That is just a pattern emerging. I'm sure it isn't anything more than that. But it is odd that you should see two cars destroyed in a car wash because it never happens. But with all the billions of people on Earth, is it impossible that lighting systems do these things? Is it impossible that that guy who was walking down the boulevard in Tenerife that lighting wasn't coming from a bar and a bored barman decided that he'd have fun with a guy on holiday by yeah, doing or, that with the lights. Or it just, you know, there was some power surge and it just happened that it had to, that each of the lights went out as you walked past them. You know, it's, it's that thing, we mentioned probability the other week. Yeah, it seems unlikely, but then if somebody can win the lottery four times. <laughs> uh, I quite agree, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I would say... That because I was more inclined, I am more inclined to think that this is a real phenomena having, I say witnessed it, but I witness it in, um, in sort of speech, uh, air speeches because, air quotes is the word I was groping for, because it's very possible that this road that I'm talking about with this um, roundabout in the middle of nowhere, this roundabout was put there to uh, service a new industrial park which hadn't been built yet. And it's possible that we just happen to go past at the same time every night because we'd either be coming back right. from a pub or a party. It would sort of be midnight-ish, one o'clock in the morning. Maybe it was just that we happened to go around it every time when the lights were programmed to go out because somebody decided that you don't need lights on all night for right. a road which isn't really right. in great need. That is entirely possible. I don't think that is true, but it is entirely possible. You always have to step back and look at it. But I do think the other people that have come up to me and said that sliding has happened to them, I do think they're sincere. I do think that something peculiar has happened. Mm. But maybe our brains are just so wired to look for those patterns mm. that we can't see past it. And like you said, once once you acknowledge that, you can't unsee the flickers that are probably there all the time, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah you can't. Your, your, your friend who you had the driving thing with did he feel that he had an ability no i've got two questions i'll come back to that second question my first question is when this happened or this first happened was it did you both go to each other at the same time god what was that really weird thing that happened or did one mention it and then the other one went oh okay no i mentioned it and i said that was weird because when we went round the roundabout, the lights went off and he said, did it? And I said, yeah. And so we sort of, you know, that was it. Right. The next time he said, oh, well, I'll see if it happens again. And, and we did. were in the same car and it didn't. And oh. then the next time he came to me and said, it happened to me again the other day. So I witnessed it probably, because, you know, your kids, you always go to the same places and different times we probably... Um, have different places, petrol stations to go and buy sausage rolls from and places to stop for a cigarette before you go home to your parents. And so we would have plenty of opportunities to drive through those places and then stop and talk about the experiences. And it used to be that thing of, oh, it happened today. Oh, it didn't happen today. But he was a sort of a straight down the line kind of guy. He would never have 
entertain the thought of psychic powers or ghosts well, or anything say, like so that. That was my second question. He didn't think he had oh he, no a, a slider ability. It was just something. That oh no, he'd happened. have hated to have had it called slider. He just thought it was cool that when he went round, the streetlights went off. He was thinking because he's an he, he's an electrical engineer now. I think right. he was thinking well. that he'd found a bug in the system or right, right. Uh, and that maybe his car was doing it. And I remember him going around there. He, he had the best car in our year group. He had a, a very fancy new GTI. And I remember nice. him going, I wonder if it's if I rev my engine or I wonder if it's if I go around here at 80 miles an hour and that causes something weird to happen. He speculated that maybe the police were doing it to warn him of something. And I remember going, come on, I think that's most unlikely. Yeah. That's, the, that's the most subtle warning you could possibly imagine from a police officer. That told him turning those three lights <laughs> off. It's definitely more likely to be a paranormal. <laughs> yeah. Interesting he ended up as an electrical engineer, though. Yeah, I think that was... I don't think that has anything to do with it. It just sort of puts you... I mean, it, it, yeah, now you say it, I hadn't really thought about it. Yes, it is. But I think it just tells you that he was that sort of person. He was not... Um, you know, he. I was doing English. He was doing mathematics at school, you know. He, he, was, that, he was that sort of brain. He was like, there's a logical explanation here. Yeah. No, yeah, but I, I'm just saying it is... It's certainly ironic, isn't it? He ended up as an... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, it is very ironic, yes. Yeah. Those phenomena are very well recorded in this book, Hilary Evans' Sliders, The Enigma of Streetlight Interference. You can get it on Amazon. It's from Anomalous Books in New York. I would certainly, if you were interested in this topic, get that book. But if you don't want to spend the money, go and have a look on the forums. There are plenty of SLI forums. And it's full of stories like the ones I've told you. And if it's anything like that has happened to you, like maybe just go and check and see if you know there's correlations in your stories with what these people are saying because there's all sorts of tales like i say you can see the length and breadth of them and how varied they are even if it's only happened to you the once it's worth having a uh, having a delve in and see if you identify with any of it yeah brilliant that's fascinating though i like the fact you you have direct experience of this from the past as well it's um so yeah, it's a phenomenon I didn't realise was such thing. I've obviously seen that almost trope in in horror movies, and yeah, it's reminding me. Of, there's that scene in Harry Potter, isn't there? The Deathly Hallows when they're in the yeah. the um, subway, not the subway, the underpass, and the lights are going off and flickering like that. So, but I, I didn't realise it was such a thing. The thing that it made me think of. And it's one of the best films, but it's scary for different reasons. Sleeping with the enemy. Do you remember she knocks the street lights out so that yes. she can know where to, to alight um, yes. from the sea? Yeah, that occurred to me. Fascinating. Well. Well, thank you. Um, let's, yeah, um, hit me up with any anything that you might have on that and um, I'll tell any stories that you come back with. Well, it's I tell you what's quite interesting as well. Now we've highlighted it, I bet it's going to be a little bit more in the consciousness or subconsciousness of the listener. So it'd be interesting if we do, if our listeners start noticing that thing, because that might help us decide whether it's just flickering lights that you don't notice unless you're thinking about them or there's more going on. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. I mean... We've seen it so many times where your mood seems to affect something 
or even something that we've spoken about seems to affect something. I couldn't help real, you know, remembering that we had trouble with the electric windows on our cars last year. Yeah. And we were joking about gremlins. Well, that thankfully has stopped, but we were very much talking about electrical problems in vehicles and then that happens. So I don't know. I think there's something quite weird. There's, But at the same time, we might just be seeing a pattern. I think there was something weird going on, but we could just be seeing a pattern. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Well, talking of patterns... Chris Patton. <laughs> we, <laughs> That's an on target reference, isn't it? We got we've got an interesting um, little Sherlock update in our mission to make Sherlock Holmes a turn from a fictional character into the real world as a Tulpa. We've had a few people working on this project, a couple of star Tulpa mancers. We we had a message. Um, oh, actually, we need to dust out the violin, don't we? Oh, um, I, I've forgotten about that. Hang on. You, 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 I've got it. You got it? A few warm-up notes. Hang on. Okay. Nice, nice. Well, so we've had a message from Cameron Sadler. He's a... I think we mentioned them on the podcast before. Um, he's part of a uh, paranormal investigation group called Paranormal Presence. They were doing a an investigation recently and they decided to do an experiment, Sherlock experiment, as part of the Tulpa project. So I'm just going to read you what they said. Quick Sherlock update. We did an experiment where I wore headphones connected to a spirit box along with a blindfold so my senses were limited and Alison, who's his partner in the I was going to say partner in crime partner in, <laughs> invest, partner in investigation we called out for our Tulpa Sherlock to come forward we did get some little bits this bit's a bit spooky including the name Ben oh no yes also, the word manifest came through, and energy. But the best bit was the word mystery unsolving came through, and then Sherlock went quiet. Okay, that's weird. Are they doing that? Did you say they're doing that through the Estes method, or it's a seance? Well, originally they sent us a message to say they were going to do it as a seance, but it looks like they've done it with headphones and a spirit box. Oh, yeah, the Estes method, yeah. Oh, okay, that's even more scary. My name? Why does it have to be my name? <laughs> Not my name. Oh, it, it, great if you'd have said Blue Cross as well, that would have... Oh, yes, I'd forgotten about the Blue Cross. We've not had any clarity on that yet, have we? I've not come across anything No. turquoisey or Blue Crossy yet. No, the closest I got was I did drive past the Blue Cross yesterday... And I noticed it, but I don't think the Blue Cross Animal Sanctuary was perhaps foremost on their minds. But yeah, even so, that is an incredible, like, spine-chilling piece of information. Um, Thank you. I hope that was something nice talking there and it wasn't an evil thing. (laughs) You've got to drive home in the dark now. And I haven't eaten. (laughs) 
I don't know what that means for it. I think I'm just hungry. Yeah, right. Well, look, we're going to let Ben get some food and uh, we will join you next week for more Quantum Mechanics Weirdness. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. the quantum mechanics